tonight um, I, I'd like to uh, to talk from another psalm, and we're looking at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I'll, I'll read it in parts, uh, and uh, I want to talk through it a little bit, and perhaps this devotional is, is best suited for somebody who's wrestling with the idea of God and, and uh, the gospel, this news of, of Christ coming into our world to help us, uh, who is looking for hope in a world that they realize is, is broken, and maybe that realization is deeper now that we're in the midst of this uh, pandemic and, and, and all the all the stuff that goes goes with it. So let me let me read Psalm um, nineteen, uh, verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end to the end of the world. In them he has, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Uh, this is uh, a description of nature, God's uh, creation, uh, proclaiming who God is, declaring the glory of God. And so... For you know, for many of us, we we rediscovered the joys of of being in nature. Uh, we see many people taking walks. Uh, we're, we're seeing um, now that I think the parks are open again in St. Louis County uh, to today, so uh, we can uh, once again go to these beautiful places all around. And and many of us really enjoy that. In fact, I I've learned that as I'm as older as I, as I'm getting older, I'm I'm more in tune with nature and love to talk about the weather. I think that maybe comes with age. But there's there's a sense of connectedness that most human beings feel uh, to nature. And so we love to be in nature. We love ocean waves and we love sunsets and we love beautiful plants and birds and all those kinds of things. And the question is, you know, what attracts us to that? And, and what attracts us is the reflection of God's own beauty. Because in God's creation, in nature, we're, we're seeing what God is like. And, and, and that's why Scripture says that, that the heavens declare uh, the glory of God. So they, they proclaim something. They, they speak to us about God. But they don't speak with words. This is nonverbal communication. It's, it's really important to know the limitations of what nature can tell us um, about God. For example, we can, we can learn about God's beauty by just observing the beauty of creation. We can learn about God's power, certainly. Uh, we can learn about God's wisdom and the order that, that, he put, that he put the world. We can learn about his existence. Uh, you know, many of us look at the world and say, there must be somebody who has created it in this way. And so that we can learn. And, and Romans 1 tells us that because of all the things that we can learn from nature about God, we are without excuse, which means... Nature gives us enough information to move us to pursue God and to learn more about Him. But it's not enough. Nature itself is not enough. I, I have uh, four daughters, and my, my youngest daughter is nonverbal. And so I can, she can communicate a lot to me, and certainly she, she can let me know what she wants. And in, in many ways, we, we, we know her through her nonverbal communication.
However, uh, we long for her to tell us in words what she's thinking, what she's feeling, what she wants. And that's, that's the same idea with nature. As, as nature surrounds us, it makes us want to know more about God, and it makes us want to hear His words and His verbal communication. And so this is actually what, um, what happens later in the psalm. There, there's the implication is that nature and the revelation of God that is in nature, the nonverbal, uh, natural revelation, can't change us. And so it moves us to find out more about God and, and, and find His words to us, His verbal communication. Now, I find it interesting that even during this pandemic, uh, we can learn a lot about true reality. For example, uh, we learned that our our existence is fragile, and yet we're not happy about that. We we see that there's something wrong with this world, the world that that creates viruses and and allows viruses to spread in this way, and a world that that can shut down economy. You know, those kinds of things tell us something is wrong. But at the same time, none of us accept it as normal. There's, there's hopefulness in us. And so we realize that something is wrong, and yet we seek, uh, we, we seek for this world to be fixed. We, we seek uh, for this world to be changed. And so it's interesting that even during this experience of, of um, lockdown and self-isolation, uh, we are learning. We're learning about the world. We're learning about God. And if, if anybody's paying attention, there are lessons to be learned just from our experience of going through it. But they're not enough. Those lessons are just nonverbal communication of God. We need verbal communication. And so this is where we get to verse 7. I'll read 7 uh, through 10. And that tells us about God's verbal communication, God speaking through His Word, through His written Word, through the law and His, his revelation, His what we call the Bible. So listen to verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And so what we read here is that there's supernatural revelation of God that's available to us. And it's, and it's a verbal revelation, which is always superior. And what we see here is that through the words of God, through the verbal communication of God, there is a possibility of change. For example, we read, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And reviving the soul, that's change. Uh, testimony of the Lord is, is sure, making, making wise the simple. It changes how we think. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. It gives us, it gives us joy. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives us revelation, understanding of, of what's, what's around us. Uh, so, so when we think about uh, how we can know God, nature is good. So enjoy the sunshine and enjoy uh, this beautiful season of, of spring. And yet, you have to go to the verbal revelation to really know what God is like. And it's interesting that even in our... Our passage, there's, there's contrast in verse 10. 
this verbal revelation is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. There's a, there's a contrast here. In the natural revelation, in the honey and gold of, of nature, uh, it's not enough. And so we need to desire it more than that, more than nature. And actually, it's better. It's super nature, right? It's supernatural revelation. And so, so what we're, we're getting from God's Word, we're getting from His written revelation, His book, the Bible, is something that is sweeter than honey, something that is more costly and better and more precious than, than gold that we find in nature. And so this verbal communication, verbal revelation, the Bible, can actually change us. And the question is how? Why does his word, his verbal communication, uh, has, have the ability to change us? And we can, we can see this, this change in verse 11. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, the commandments of God, there is great reward. So, so this is talking about the change. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. So the psalmist is actually praying for God's word to change him from sinner to something better. He's saying, Pre prevent sin in my life. Prevent these bad things, this brokenness happening in my life. And he's trusting that God's word can do that. And then in verse, um, at the, the very end, uh, in verse 14, uh, at the end, the way he refers to God actually tells us what he expects Scripture to do, what he expects God's verbal communication to, to do for him in the way that he refers to God. He ends his psalm by saying, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My rock and my redeemer. The rock metaphor is natural. We can see rocks. We can see how strong how secure they are, and so we can call God our rock. But the Redeemer is not from nature. Redeemer, this idea of redemption, this idea that somehow, as, as he prays in verse 13, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great trans transgression. This innocence, this guilt-turned innocence, this, this idea that we somehow could be blameless before God, that is not an idea from nature, because that doesn't happen in nature. He's talking about grace. He's talking about God's work of redemption, calling God a redeemer, the one who comes and buys us back from the brokenness of, of this creation, the one who comes and, and changes us, makes us different. Now, how is that possible? Well, the answer is in the book, because the book, Scripture, God's verbal communication, actually tells us about the redeemer. It tells us about God's other kind of revelation, which is even superior to the verbal communication that we've been talking about and praising. And that is God's personal revelation in Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, uh, John wrote of him, the Word became flesh. The Word, God's Word, God's revelation became flesh. It became a human being. God became a human being to redeem us. So he's coming into our brokenness, and he's actually redeeming us out of it. He's changing us out of it. The reason God's Word has the power to change us is because it speaks about the incarnate 
about the enfleshed Word of God, which is who is Jesus. And so, when we read the Bible, and I encourage you to read the Bible, enjoy the sunshine, but read your Bible. As you read the Bible, read it as a story of the Redeemer who came to save you, who came to change you. So as you're thinking about the lessons of COVID-19 pandemic and as you enjoy nature, as you're asking big questions, and I hope that you are, I think we all need to do that. And, and you ask questions about the nature of reality, the nature of, of this world. Is it good or is it bad? Is it broken? How can we fix it? As you wrestle with the, the reality of death, uh, maybe you lost a loved one, um, COVID-19 or other reasons. We've all, we're all dealing with death in, in some way. As you're asking those big questions, yes, nature can help you. Your mind can help you. Uh, kind of the natural reasoning can help you. Your instincts can help you. But you need a verbal revelation. You need the book that will tell you what God is like. And more importantly, that he sent his son to save us. When Jesus came, he was broken just like this creation. On the cross, he underwent... Uh, the exact thing that we are supposed to undergo, which is death and suffering, and and except he did that in our place. And when he did that, he identified with us and he healed us from within. And so those who belong to Christ, though those who, who trust him, those who follow him, those who see him as their redeemer, are actually healed. And now we're awaiting a resurrection that's going to set everything right. And this world is going to be fixed and that hope is, is real to a Christian because we know the Redeemer. And so my question to you is, do you know him? And do you read his words, his book, to know him better?